0: Well, the last the last session definitely was the most memorable for me because uh, the person that uh, run the convention had always uh, wanted wanting to finish on time and all that kind of stuff. And I said, how much time do I have? And she looked at me and said, as much time as you want. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Hello and welcome to the Farm Traveler podcast, the podcast for anybody curious to learn about where their food comes from. The National FFA organization is the country's largest student-led organization and is dedicated to making a positive difference in the lives of students by developing their potential for premier leadership, personal growth, and career success through agricultural education. Membership in the FFA is open to any student enrolled in any agricultural education program that can be found in states from Alaska to Puerto Rico and from the states of Maine to Hawaii. I might be a little biased here, but the FFA is a wonderful organization that provides its students with numerous education and leadership development experiences, while also showing them all the agriculture industry has to offer. Maybe you were an FFA member in middle or high school, or maybe you never joined, but you've seen a few kids rocking that blue corduroy FFA jacket. That blue jacket represents a great deal, from the farm kids that started the organization in 1928, to the ever ongoing struggle to show the world that agriculture is much more than sows, cows, and plows, and to the over 700,000 students that proudly wear that jacket today. One of those former members went on to accomplish a great deal in the organization and was one of the highest positions that the FFA has to offer. Former National FFA advisor, Dr. Larry Case, was appointed by the United States Department of Education in 1984 As the Education Specialist for Agriculture, Agribusiness, and Natural Resource Education, one of his many responsibilities included his time spent as the National FFA Advisor. During his tenure, FFA membership grew a tremendous amount, the organization's name changed, and numerous educational innovations were made for agricultural education. In our interview today, Dr. Case will discuss his upbringing in Missouri, how he transitioned from teaching high school agriculture education programs to working with the Missouri Department of Education and the Missouri FFA. Dr. Case will also highlight experiences and job duties during his tenure as a national FFA advisor and what he's been up to since he retired from the position in 2010. This is Farm Traveler Podcast episode 49 with Dr. Larry Case. Well, Dr. Larry Case, welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast. How are you doing, sir?
0: I'm doing great.
1: Uh, Being retired
0: for almost 10 years now, health is still good, so I, I feel pretty good about
1: life. You, I'm very excited to talk with you. You served for 26 years as the National FFA Advisor, and kind of before we dive into that, tell us a little bit about kind of where you grew up. I know you grew up in in Missouri, but tell us about kind of your time growing up and kind of what you did all the way up until you got involved as the National FFA Advisor.
0: Okay. Well, I'll try to be the shorthand version here, but basically uh, I'm a Missouri farm kid. I grew up on a a small general livestock and crop farm, uh, small by today's standards at least. And uh, dad had uh, hogs, cattle, sheep, and dairy. uh, And he had a variety of crops of, you know, wheat, oats, uh, uh, barley, uh, corn, soybeans, uh, and, uh, the, uh, and the hay crops. Uh, so I was appreciative of having a background in a variety of, uh, enterprises as, uh, when I went to teach in ag. Uh, but anyway, I was in the local FFA chapter. Went to a very small rural school in Missouri, uh, 13, my graduating class, uh, only advanced to the state degree it was called state farmer degree in those days uh, knew probably that I wouldn't be a farmer uh, even though I wanted to be
1: um,
0: I decided that uh, my brother would probably be the one that would uh, do the farming and it turned out to be that way my younger brother and so I went through the University of Missouri at Columbia and started teaching in nineteen sixty six did uh, Ag teaching for about 13 years, and I moved schools twice. I started at Northwestern High School in Minden, went to work High School in Oric, Missouri, and then Lexington High School in Lexington, Missouri. And I finished my master's degree by that time, and advanced through a, a time of being a school administrator for a and building a area vocational technical school. So I had some experience with that. Uh, State Department of Education called and I went to the State Department of Education as a district supervisor. And a year later, I was appointed as the State Director of Ag Education, State Advisor of the Missouri FFA Association. Uh, And I was there for eight years. And and while I was uh, on the job, I completed my doctoral studies in was able to land a doctorate degree in uh, uh, 1983. Um, was uh, my my goal was to do that before I was 40, and I graduated two two days before my 40th birthday. So that was a, that worked out well. Uh, then uh, some things happened in Washington D.C. at the U.S. Department of Education. Uh, Byron Rawls is a predecessor of mine and he resigned early, not resigned, but retired early. Uh, I took an early retirement buyout and then uh, I was uh, through a series of activities and events was lucky to be appointed to uh, Department of Education Senior Program Specialist in Agriculture, Ag Business and Natural Resources Education, that's what it was called at the time. With that job come to be uh, the Chairman of the Board and National FFA Advisor, and also President of the FFA Foundation. What, that would have been May the 24th, 1984. And then in the mid-80s, if you remember, the agricultural enterprises across the country were suffering uh, in an economic depression. Uh, in the 70s, we had a lot of good prices and people borrowed lots of money and bought lots of extra land and and really couldn't do much wrong. Um, But in the the 80s, the Fed uh, hiked up the interest rates so high. I remember having 13%, 14%, even 16% I've heard of some uh, that, uh, that had to pay interest on those loans and the banks were calling the loans and of course with those kind of things are going on and, they, and the commodity prices dropped and so the farmers were caught uh, with lots of debt and a lot of them lost century farms and a few things like that. So with that come a uh, drop in the enrollments and FFA membership. And so when I started in 1984, uh, the national FFA and ag education basically across the country was going out of business uh, and it was a, a pretty tough time. We were lucky enough to get a national study and uh, put some things together there and we were able to change a few things in FFA and open, uh, open up the uh, program with some uh, broader curriculum and long story short when I retired and 2010, at the end of 2010, we had just broken the uh, membership record uh, for the National FA organization, and since then, it's been growing ever since. So feel pretty good about our 26 years and thought that uh, we went through a lot of change and we survived and come out prosperous, and that's about as, about as good a time as you need to retire whenever I've had nearly 45 years experience in the profession when I retired. I last 23 days of having 45 years. So I'm going to round it off and say I had 45 years of, of experience. So that gives you uh, maybe a little too much of my career, but basically that was uh, how I went from Missouri farm kid to the national advisory advisorship.
1: You no, know, that sounds like a fun ride. I mean, it definitely seems like you retired on top after the FFA had grown so much. Um, so, what were some of your biggest responsibilities when you were the national advisor? I know you said you were the foundation president. You were on the board of directors. So, what were kind of some of your main responsibilities as the national advisor?
0: Well, of course, the national advisor is inter- is only integral to agricultural education. So, I felt major responsibilities and challenges in, in shifting the curriculum to be broader and more inclusive. Uh, at that time, we had uh, another uh, entity that just started in 1983, the December, I think it was, uh, or January of 1983, um, it's called the National Council for Agricultural Education. I started out as the chair of that group and basically, what we've done is uh, is evolve the curriculum or the teaching material so that local teachers could broaden their program. such things as food science such things that are are uh, fine today or are, are, are should say uh, very common today in ag education were not common back in nineteen eighty four. Uh, it was primarily production agriculture oriented, and uh, so to think about careers in horticulture and food science and environmental sciences and uh, technology and and those kinds of those kinds of things is we really try to get people thinking about agriculture as a food, fat, fiber, and natural resources system rather than just the farm production. Uh, Farm production is still core, of course, um, because without that, we don't have food on the table. But uh, the biggest challenge I think I faced was um, moving the curriculum to a broader uh, position. And then in 1988, we had 19 constitutional amendments, and those were very challenging. we changed the words agricultural education, uh, vocational agriculture, to agricultural education on the emblem. We changed the names of the of the degrees to FFA degrees, not not uh, state farmer. It's state FFA degree now, American FFA degree, etc. cetera. Um, broadened, uh, tried to tried to show that we were including. Of people by doing business as the National FFA instead of Future Farmers of America, which was very controversial because the farmers felt like they were being abandoned one more time. However, that was not the case. Um, so all these uh, all these shifts, the 19, I believe, 18 of the 19 uh, amendments passed, and I really have forgotten what the one that didn't pass, but. Um, it was a very challenging time whenever we were doing all those changes and attempting to uh, move a long traditional system into a modern era of what really is happening in the economic sector of food, fiber, and natural resources. That was uh, probably the toughest uh, uh, battle to son- I should say it's not a battle, but many battles fought and most won, but some lost. So uh, it's the way life is. So I hope that answers your question.
1: No, no, that does. That really does. And I think that shift that you were talking about to where it's, it's keeping that agriculture root, but it's kind of showing and focusing that they're kind of telling kids that there's more, in agriculture than just, you know, cow sows and plows, which is what we all heard. There's natural resources, there's food science, there's chemistry, there's biology, there's all these different disciplines. And that's something that even I learned about 10 years ago, whenever I was in FFA, is that it's a lot more than just, I mean, just farming. And I think that shift is something that's continued to kind of have a huge impact on the FFA to help it grow to where it is today. So that's really neat. Where were some really cool places that, that you traveled during your time? I, did you ever go to Japan? Because I know that they have a very similar um, organization over there. I think it's called like FFJ. So did you, ever, did you ever go to Japan?
0: Yes, I did go one time and met uh, several ag teachers. And uh, Mr. Matsumoto, Mr. Uh, Shidani are two people that I remember from that trip. Uh uh, that was a wonderful trip. Uh, was able to uh, see the Japanese culture and 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 so forth. I also was able to go on a, uh, a tour to uh, to Europe, basically, uh, which included uh, meeting with young farmers in in Germany, uh, seeing the ports there. Uh, we landed at Frankfurt and went to. Uh, Then we trained to Paris to an ag show, Uh, went to Belgium uh, during that trip uh, to the uh, EU and headquarters. And uh, uh, that was uh, quite interesting. Uh, Probably the most, I don't know, they all are memorable, but I can tell you that having gone to Russia just before the, um, a coup occurred, and I don't forgotten what year that was, but uh, they were uh, Khrushchev was trying to get a little more um, capitalism going, if you would, uh, entrepreneurship, and uh, there was a group of farmers that uh, that banded together, and I've forgotten what they were called, but they banded together and was wanting uh, to uh, be sponsors for um a few folks to come over to the u.s and see modern agriculture in the u.s but we were able to tour some state farms and and uh, visit uh, lots of universities and colleges and i think we had uh, i've forgotten i think it's 20 or 30 visas and every place that we uh, met all said they had 30 people that were highly qualified (laughs) So we had a lot of people interested in coming, and uh, the uh, the stories that I have there, I don't tell, take too much of your time. But when I, the story I would quick quick story I would tell you is when we exited, and it was uh, dreary, cloudy. Everywhere we went in the, in Russia, there were soldiers that were armed to the hill, and um, and they were everywhere and uh, i never felt like i was by myself and i felt like i was being looked watched all the time while i was there but when we left there was a jewish lady ahead of me and they just literally harassed her to the wind and uh, dumped her suitcase out on the on the floor and she had to pick everything up waved me on through and uh got that was the first checkpoint the second one was uh a little scan that they do on the luggage for uh whatever a contraband or whatever and got through that one then the next step was to look at your passport and the guy was uh, didn't smile a bit looked at you looked at the passport looked at you looked at the passport and then yanked the visa out like it was like i'd never been there and took that and kept that and waved me on went through another magnetometer and uh, uh and uh, went through that and got into the waiting area got ready to board and there was a soldier at the door with the ticket agent checking every ticket walked outside into the cold air down the steps across about i don't remember 20 or 30 yards to the to the uh uh, airplane, and there were three soldiers, one at the base of each steps, and one in the middle, armed with Uzis and that type thing. Got on the plane, the soldiers come on the plane and looked at everybody again. They finally closed the door. We left. Got to Frankfurt, Germany. Looked around, the sun was shining, and I said, "Where's the soldiers?" <laughs> so it was a memorable experience in trying to leave, as well as the many things happened while we were there which were all good and so that's uh, uh, i also had the opportunity to go to costa rica on, on about a 10-day trip um so that's uh, some of the things that we did i think as i remember while i was national advisor i was able to visit eight countries so that was a pretty nice thing
1: that's a pretty good track record. And, and yeah, that that happened in Russia. It sounds pretty interesting. I'm yeah. that, that sounds like it was a very, very interesting time to go to Russia during that. That's very cool. Your last convention was in 2010, you were retiring. And I remember you're going through, you know, the advisors say in the opening closing ceremony. And I remember you had about I think we counted it like a 10 or 15 minute standing ovation. I think everybody was going nuts. and. I remember that part. Everybody was cheering for you. Everybody was like, you know what? He's been a great advisor. He's been so great in helping kind of the FFA grow and kind of get ready for this new century. And so, what was, do you have any like lasting impressions that you have from that last convention? I mean, I know you've been to probably a lot since then and you've been to like, you were obviously a lot since since before 2010. So you have any like memorable moments of your last convention in 2010 as the national advisor?
0: Yeah, there were several. I, I'll try to just give you a highlight or two, but there was there was a lot of uh, a lot of good things. Uh, I don't know just what year it was that we started doing an advisor's challenge or advisor sendoff. It actually started my speaking on stage uh, for about five to eight minutes, uh, and it was uh, started in Kansas City as an advisor sendoff. Um, but of the last convention, I recall that we we shifted quite a bit. Uh, and, uh, I, I, uh, I believe i kind of focused on saying a few things about what it meant to me to be a national advisor during this time. And, and, uh, for me, that was kind of a memorable, I'd have to dig it out and look at the various phrases and so forth that I used, but I was allowed a little extra time and, uh, I had people come to me and say, that's the best one you ever did. So (laughs) (laughs) it was uh, highly uh, emotional uh, for a lot of people. Um, I was able to hold it together and I'm pretty emotional myself when it comes to things like that. Then you mentioned uh, the, uh, well, the last, the last session definitely was the most memorable for me. Because uh, the person that uh, run the convention had always uh, wanted wanting to finish on time and all that kind of stuff. And I said, how much time do I have? And she looked at me and said, as much time as you want.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's awesome. <laughs> I
0: went, oh, my goodness. <laughs> and so to have my whole family there uh, with husbands and wives and grandchildren uh was very special and my grandson that was there was uh becky's and, and my daughter and and she was she's an ag teacher and uh the, the kids all spoke at that time and had uh several uh ffa members on video speak you know and uh and and all all that all that happening uh, was very special. I recall specifically uh, my little grandson at that time, who's now 15 years old and taller than I am, uh, got up on stage and uh, I said, "Aaron, can you show him a little dance?" And he did a little wiggle. He said no, and then he did a little wiggle with uh, the the uh, the delegates, you know, make that convention. And the delegates just went wild. And then he really got into it. <laughs> he did a little dance for him. And he <laughs> doesn't so remember that, but we have it recorded on a CD one of these days. I'm going to catch him when he's got his girlfriend there and show that to them. <laughs> <laughs> I bet that'll so be that embarrassing. Was, that'll be hilarious. That though. was an interesting moment. But I tell you, the. You, you spoke about the ovation that happened during the opening ceremonies i think that may be the one you're talking about uh they pretty mr nice it was all just really great for me i mean it just really was but i had an interview immediately following and they wanted to know how i was able to hold my composure during the time whenever they said Mr. Adviser, I said, "Here by the owl, everybody went nuts, you know, and uh, it was just on and on and on and, and then finally, I had to just get just start saying it, and you probably noticed it, but I tried and tried to hide it the best I could for the only time that I know of I said, Here by the owl then." the owl is a time-honored emblem of knowledge and wisdom. And I could not remember the next phrase to to beat my, so I just, (laughs) so I didn't make any sign that I made a mistake. I just started again. Well, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) And I made it through basically three sentences and uh, I made it through that second try. So (laughs) see the last hoorah, and I screwed up. That's the way I felt.
1: <laughs> I doubt anybody knows. I don't remember that at all. But I mean, the fact that you just got through that, congratulations. I mean, that's so cool.
0: They asked me in an the, in the interview following it, uh, how did you hold your composure? I said I had to focus on the business at hand. <laughs> no, well, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> and just and focus
1: one last time.
0: <laughs> and, that was, and that was true. I, I really had to focus on the business at hand while... I did appreciate all the recognition. That's not in any question.
1: Yeah. I mean, that, that I think it was consecutive Fieldhouse where the Pacers play and that place is going nuts for you. Yeah. So we were talking a little bit earlier. It seems like you are enjoying retired life a little bit, a little less on your plate now. So what all have you been doing now since you've been retired?
0: Well, my wife and I, uh, has had the fortune to, to, to do some, do some traveling the grandkids are having a fight now are you picking that up <laughs> yeah that's anyway what you're doing. matter of fact i tell you we started the retirement in my mind correctly
1: <laughs>
0: in that uh we were able to
1: uh, be the
0: guest of RFD TV to go to the Rose Bowl uh the Rose Parade again i mean they, they sponsored the FFTA float the year before i think or so and uh, i forgot just when that happened which by the way is another highlight of my career was riding the rose uh, the rose float in the rose parade that was very memorable we have uh, we had the good fortune of of going on on several trips one of the trips that we went on was a railroad trip and a bus trip across the country it was a uh, America by rail trip, and we started uh, here in Fredericksburg and went to Flagstaff, Arizona on the train, and then went north to, I think it was eight or nine uh, national parks that we saw, um, and uh, that was uh, ended up in Whitefish, Montana, and then trained back home. My wife always wanted that long train ride. Second trip, I recall, was that we went to Amsterdam, and and took a Viking tour, a river tour of the uh, of the area around Amsterdam, around uh, the Netherlands. Um, they called it the Windmill and Tulip Tour. That was a real interesting tour. Um, okay, there was another one in there. What was it? The latest the latest trip we had was uh, last year that uh, we went uh, to uh, Alaska on the land and cruise a combination uh we flew into fairbanks and spent uh five or six days on land and about 10 or 12 days on a cruise and and um that was a very good trip i've been to alaska on business and um my, my friend helen merkins up there was the state director of vocational education and uh at the time, they called it that, and uh, they, she uh, showed me. I was the state liaison to Alaska when I was in the Department of Education, and so she showed me Alaska vocational education, and uh, it was a very fascinating trip uh, at that time, as well as the the one we just come off of. Uh, so um, we are, yeah, we are enjoying traveling. We have. We have a daughter that lives uh, in in Indianapolis and works for National FFA. Uh, And so we go to Indianapolis and we haven't missed a convention yet. Um, We go to the convention, so that's kind of fun to be able to do that. I told somebody on my first convention after retirement that I slept late, didn't feel guilty at all. And (laughs) Anyway we uh, we've done that and we have a son that lives in missouri uh and we go out there and of course we're both from missouri and have have uh, interest in the uh, uh in missouri we both own land in missouri through through inheritance so we have reason to go out that, that that direction so uh then we keep up with church activities i'm chairman of the deacons this year to the local church here and uh and uh, that's uh, taken some time. Uh, one other thing I would add is that uh, for probably, uh, oh, the biggie was, I I just was asked to join the uh, Alumni Council, National FFA Alumni Council and did so and was able to get voted in on that. And so I spent six years doing FFA National Assembly alumni work, and ended up being president, and president-elect, president, and president, past president, and uh, um, that was a fun venture. And then here in Virginia, uh, had both local alumni activities as well as state uh, foundation activities and uh, association activities. Uh, that uh, that I participated in and served on their on their boards and so forth. So, um, yeah, I uh, I had uh, that uh, probably about six seven years of that uh, was still working in FFA, and I found out that that this sounded a whole lot like what I used to do, and I thought I'd retired from that, so I took another hitch at trying to retire, <laughs> and uh, I. Uh, I've been fairly successful at that, but I still, still participate. If they ask me to judge a contest or, or something like that, it'd be, it'd be fine and, and I'd be happy. I'm happy to do it. And we we'll, I missed the last two state conventions. I probably will make it this year to the state convention. So, you know, that's uh that in general, that's what I've been up to. And, uh, uh, just, just enjoying life. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to have our youngest son and family living with us, so I'm practicing an old agricultural tradition of having three generations under one roof. And the, the commotion you heard a while ago was uh, the two uh, got a boy that's uh, four and a girl that's seven now, and they were into something I don't know what they were doing, but you know it's always always popping around here with when, when you got little kids in the house, and it keeps us young. I feel very fortunate in having a wonderful career and in an, in an area uh, of uh, of work of which there is truly a family atmosphere. Uh, and we can fight with each other, but I got to tell you, it, in the in the in the uh, purpose for us being there, we're united in in our purpose. And, um, and that's, uh, and we argue about, uh, the details sometimes and how we get there. And, but it's been just a wonderful career. God's blessed us uh, tremendously, uh, with a good career and, uh, and now with a good retirement. So, um, I'm just thankful and, uh, I thank the good Lord every day for this.
1: Amen. Amen. Well, Dr. Case, this has been so cool. Kind of catching up with you again. Um, As a former FFA member and state officer from down here in Florida, it was cool to catch up with you and see what you're doing. Thanks for helping the FFA grow and become what it is today. I wish you nothing but the best as you continue to enjoy your retirement. I hope you have fun with those grandkids and go on a couple more adventures along the way. So thanks for being on the show, man. We really appreciate it.
0: My pleasure.
1: Thanks so much for listening to episode 49 with Dr. Case. If you want to learn more about the National FFA, check out ffa.org, and you can learn all that the organization has to offer. If you like this episode, consider sharing it with a friend or family member. Share it on Facebook. Share it on Instagram. Share, share, share. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. Gotta figure out something else to say. Let something catch you, like stay classy or something. We'll figure it out. Anyway, thanks for listening. See you next episode. Bye.